Palestinians. They see them as inferior, far distant, poor cousins. That is the way much of what we call the Middle East sees them. If Israel didn't exist, nobody would be excited at the idea of spending any time with them. So clearly, financing and planning the Gaza incursion was not an act of mutual love of God or need for justice. Welcome to the Political Party Pooper Playbook. And if you thought all we did was sit around thinking up ways to poop on empty suit politicians, well, you'd be half right. This is indeed the P4B. I'm your host, Matt Jordan. Did anyone consult BB before doing this? Netanyahu is not going to let this go. But what will it mean for the world? Such a dichotomy. I am watching my friends online swing from baseball euphoria to disgust and dismay at what we're seeing on our screens right now. Then it might be college football or a golf outing this weekend. Then we shake our heads at the news again. We feel it in our gut. Something earth-shattering might be brewing in Iran, Israel, Ukraine, Armenia, Azerbaijan, a handful of second-tier nations, three of whom you hadn't thought about since geography class, if ever, are now a balloon knot of conflict, each with their own supporters standing by calculating the price of, quote, helping. Anyway, the Phillies and the Braves are one game each in the playoffs, and you know how I feel about that. We'll start with a primer of some value. Before we get down to the nitty-gritty, I want to mention the video at the bottom of the text, just above the footnotes. I will refer to it in the meat of the podcast. This video is seven years old. It could have been made yesterday, and its conclusion reflects what we see right now. It is also a mythbuster. I'm heartened when someone acknowledges the fact that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is not thousands of years old. The popularity of that meme is a symptom of the intellectual laziness that governs everything in our geopolitical world. But that's grist for a separate episode. I have one issue with the video, and I'll share it with you later. Present day. One must suffer a constant state of migraine living in places like Gaza. The cesspool is governed by a band of Dark Ages lunatics whose most important hold on power is maintaining a loud pseudo-religious hatred among the people for their neighbor. The place is crowded, kept ignorant, and suffers a severe and self-imposed unemployment. The phony Iranian mullahs, as interested in the hereafter as I am, have been feeding the brooding in places like Gaza for years, decades. And I suppose this is the week they have chosen to expand their power and flex their muscle in these wretched regions. For context, please note this. Iranians, Persians, don't much like Palestinians. They see them as inferior, far distant poor cousins. That is the way much of what we call the Middle East sees them.
If Israel didn't exist, nobody would be excited at the idea of spending any time with them. So clearly, financing and planning the Gaza incursion was not an act of mutual love of God or need for justice. Iran sees Israel as turf to be taken, that's all. It is for Iran potential Mediterranean access. Jews, Muslim, Christian, it matters not at all. They would still covet the land. But, you say, Iran doesn't border Israel. Iraq and Syria do. You make me giggle. In recent years, especially under Trump, this will seem ironic to the typically uninformed American, many in the neighborhood have been realizing the pointlessness of conflict and have been moving closer to a real productive peace with Israel. Sadly, this has happened concurrent with the United States losing interest in maintaining our role in keeping the sea lanes and trade functioning around the world. That's footnote one. Geopolitical killjoys. Ever the fly in the ointment, the stick in the spokes, the wrench in the gears. Iran has taken an opportunity here. They see a USA with a puppet president controlled by a credulous cabal led by an Islamophile, Obama, bumbling around the world and reacting late and weakly to everything. Hell, the mullahs have taken the same cabal for billions of dollars. It's not just the ransom payments from Obama and Biden in question. It's tens of billions in exemptions allowed, rendering the sanctions impotent. By beefing up the Iranian budget, they've freed up billions for Iran to dedicate to sowing pseudo-religious destabilization. Wider implications, maybe. I'm not a World War III believer or a World War III denier when it comes to what this conflict will trigger. I'm a World War III agnostic. A much wider conflict could be triggered by the nutbags and the phony mullahs. Or it all could remain contained to Gaza and maybe southern Lebanon. I will say the reporting out of Iran is not encouraging. They have chosen now to make noises against their neighbors to the north, which does portend Hitlerian tendencies. In the midst of all this, Iran is explicitly threatening Azerbaijan. I've provided a link to a map that you should open in a separate tab so you can see what I'm talking about. Iranians have an Azerbaijani presence in the north and feel much the same about them as the Turks and Iraqis feel about the Kurds. Ironically, the phony religious nutbags in Tehran are backing Christian Armenia against Muslim Azerbaijan. Conveniently and dangerously, this area is close to the Ukrainian conflict. Russia, also an Armenian backer, is pleased. If you consult the map, you can note that this region is among the areas Putin wants to reestablish his vision of a czarist empire. It has natural boundaries and an area they've been attacked through previously. It borders Georgia, who have a testy relationship at best with Russia. Further, 
as Trisha DiGennaro mentioned, here on the P4B appearance, there's a link. We need to keep an eye on the Balkans because people who were young when peace was established are now older and moving into positions of authority. Old vendettas are still simmering in their hearts. Just a small spark could set things alight there. I mentioned this and expounded on it a bit a week later while talking sports with Ron Corey. Could one nutbag or another take advantage of Iranian and Russian aggression and move on old enemies? It's a lead pipe cinch that Russia gave Iran the nod to get loud with Azerbaijan. Could this be the spark? I have said that with the breaking up of Germany and the, quote, peace plans in the Balkans, we have recreated 1876 Europe. That was the chemistry that led to World War I in 1914. Things happen a lot faster now. And the insanity we've witnessed in the last few days are far more serious and more wrapped up in international resentments and alliances than the shooting of a Central European royal of whom the world thought not at all. A grain of salt. I want you to take everything in this piece with a grain of salt. I watch, I read, I spot trends, and I've been writing about them since 2011. More than a decade ago, I told some intel bubbas who were fixated on the Middle East to keep an eye on this Putin guy. He never got the memo that the Cold War was over. I got a tolerant smile and a pat on the back. What did I know, right? But as much as I may have my finger on the pulse, as closely as you might watch events unfold, neither I nor you can be sure what we are seeing is real, or at least not orchestrated by what are supposed to be opposing governments. Orwell warned us of powerful people creating enemies and killing people for domestic consumption. This would be to maintain the myth of other and to install a frightened sense of nationalism, us against them. Just a handful of people control trillions of dollars that wash around the globe under their hand. Footnote 2. They could stop a country from aggressive action with the stroke of a pen. If you want to borrow my money, you play nice with the other kids. Develop your nation. Don't demolish others. And yet they don't. The Rothschild family was the first to realize this power. Instead of using it for peace, they profited wildly from endless war, financing both sides. And who controls what you see on the internet and TV? It's the same people from footnote 2. So where lies the truth? And qui bono? Who benefits from something as heinous as this? Well, besides the big guys, how's your Bidenomics working out for you? Biden's puppeteers might be gearing up the message right now. No, America, you don't change horses in the middle of a war. With that caveat, just what are we seeing right now? It could be a precursor to war between Israel and several neighbors. The subhumans in Hamas might just be the grease fire to be used as a trigger. I've heard nothing of troop buildups, keeping the caveat in mind. 
and that would surely be required for a real conflict to heat up. Keep an eye out for word that Lebanon or Jordan or whoever might be mobilizing. The only thing I can call it so far is a wholesale prisoner snatch. I mentioned earlier Obama and Biden ransom payments and the multiple billions they freed up in sanction exemptions for Iran. Kidnapping for fun and profit has been a cottage industry in the Middle East for decades. Perhaps Iran has decided to contract Hamas and do industrial-level kidnapping. If so, I can only shake my head. If that is the case, it shows the mullahs to be every bit as stupid and greedy as I've accused them of being. Could they really be that stupid? And Hamas just signed its own death warrant. Incredibly, these subhumans have threatened to execute hostages one at a time and release the video. Iran may have calculated the response of Israel to all this, but Hamas hasn't. They actually think they have a tactical advantage here. Of this you can be certain. Israel will use their special forces to ferret out as many hostages as they can find. They will attempt to rescue them. Anyone within shouting distance of those hostages will be killed. They can't kill us all. I noticed something the average lefty would call progress, but I find disturbing in the video of the music festival. None of the people were packing. On my visits to Israel many years ago, you couldn't swing a cat without hitting an armed civilian. We're talking dads out with their family eating ice cream or a guy having a gyro. Weapons were everywhere. Not, it seems, today. And the people at the event lost touch with the lessons hard won in World War II. They outnumbered the subhumans by a grand order of magnitude. There is no realization of the concept that says they can't kill us all. Of course, that requires, in any situation, a person brave enough to be the first. I wonder if, I wonder if it even crossed anyone's mind. If such a person were there, things might have ended quite differently. I'm not judging. I'm just wondering what happened. Looking forward, I have spent my life listening to pundits and average jackasses talking about this event or that presaging World War III. If the dire warnings about this one hatching World War are correct, you'll know pretty soon. Keep an eye on Iran, Syria, and Jordan. Watch the Armenian-Azerbaijani headache unfold. Notice if France decides to put down the rebellions in their former colonies in Africa. They can do it easy enough. They still have friends in those places who speak French. And I mentioned the Balkans earlier. Added to these specific areas, we have economies all over the world, especially China's and Germany's, that are going very wobbly. If any of these flashpoints go critical, then, boys and girls, we have 1914 all over again on a much larger scale. All the work the U.S. has done for 80 years keeping the sea loans open for all nations will be a nice memory. Should North and South America choose sides, we will have the most survivable economies left.
or should we on these continents let the rest of them kill each other? I'm no hawk. Few serious military men, non-yes men, are hawks. I would lose not a minute's sleep if we over here send in all the guns and bullets they need while we all sit this one out. One point about the video. When discussing Israel in 1967 and 1972, the narrator says something like, quote, they had a war, end quote. In this case, it's a nebulous they. You're not certain of a bad guy. Israel's acquisition of all the territories, including Sinai, was the result of aggression by powers surrounding Israel. Several countries massed huge numbers of troops, tanks, and artillery and launched coordinated attacks on a single smaller country. By historical standards, there has never been an obligation on Israel's part to ever return a single yard of territory in a situation like that. In fact, it was the Allies after World War II who set any kind of precedent by doing so. By giving up all of Germany, Austria, and the rest of Europe, the Allied powers first ensured they were governed by, quote, our kind of people. And still, that puts Israel or any other country so attacked under no obligation to surrender anything to the vanquished aggressors. They could have immediately annexed all the land and ousted any undesirable elements. Instead, they spent from that day to this in an almost constant state of negotiation and or defense trying to actually give land back. With Sinai, they surrendered the greatest natural border by any country ever, honorable by any standard. So, quote, they didn't just, quote, have a war. Enjoy the video. Be sure to use all the buttons at the top and bottom of the text. We live and die by the share and subscribe buttons. Send inquiries to poriverproductions at gmail.com. Thank you very much for joining us today.